0: Good morning, Portico. Oh, that is great. Oh, you know what we can do today? Merry Christmas, Portico. You're going, oh, no, 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 we haven't finished our Christmas shopping yet. Wait, 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 what's December? Sorry, we got to start. It's our Christmas series. We're talking about the stars of Christmas. How many of you stopped and took a picture on the red carpet? Come on, be honest. Oh, good, good, good. That's excellent. That's why it's out there, by the way. It's not like cordoned off, so you have to stay off of it. You are the stars of Christmas, so we want you to take a picture out there and send it out. Make sure you put it up on Facebook. This could be Christmas gifts. You know, take a picture of yourself and give it to your family and go, there you go. That's my Christmas gift this year. Anything we can do to help you out. We're that kind of a church, and we're just here to help. We want to welcome those of you in our chapel, online. Welcome to you today as well over in our video cafe. We are one church, one message, many expressions. And if you're new today, welcome to Portico. It's so good to have you here. And uh, you're never going to meet any greater people than the people that are right here right now, right? That's the 10 of them I was talking about right there. Now, all of us together, great church, great community, so love being together like this. Well, get your Bibles out. We're going to jump right into a brand new series called "The Stars of Christmas." If you need to borrow a Bible, raise your hand real high, and our ushers are going to make their way through the room right now over in the venues, Bibles are available. And let me remind you, uh, if you're going to go to your electronic devices, you don't need to go to U version anymore, right on the portico app. If you download the Portico app, you can follow along in the Bible and you can take notes. And it's a great way to stay connected through the week. So everything you need to know about Portico, what's coming up, what's going on, and our messages, everything is right there. So it's a one-stop place for you. So be sure to do that. You can do it right now. Matter of fact, while we're getting ready to go this morning, so if you get your Bibles, I'm going to get you to turn over to Luke, the book of Luke this morning. That's in the New Testament. We're into the third book there, and uh, in a few moments I'll start talking out of that text for you. But let's, just a little background, and I'm going to set up where we're going to go in our series. You know, the thing about Christmas that I love, it's just, you know, you can't overstate it, but it really is one of the most beautiful times of the year. People, you know, people's disposition is so much nicer, isn't it? Unless you're in the mall. But I mean, most other places, their disposition just seems so much better. And it's one of those times of the year, particularly right now, I mean, it's green, it's still warm, and there was a motorbike parked in front of my coffee shop the other day. And I went, "This is the most wonderful time of the year." Didn't even look like Christmas. Now I'm not an overly sentimental type of an individual, but there are little strains of nostalgia that run through my body, and uh, there are some things that I really love about Christmas. And it's particularly the sound, the voice that comes at Christmas time. And every now and then, and you know exactly what I'm going to refer to here, but every now and then you'll hear something that just sort of warms your heart and reminds you, oh, yeah, this is that season. So I I wrote in my notes, I was just thinking some of the more familiar voices that just remind us that it's Christmas. Bing Crosby. See? White Christmas. Yeah, you thought I was going to sing it for you. I'll leave that to Jeff and the other guys. I'm not going down that pathway. Uh, Bing Crosby's White Christmas, or I'll be... Oh, we all know that one. I'll be home. As soon as I hear that song, it's like, oh, gosh. And it reminds me I should go back home, and my mom's going, yes, you should be. You should be home for Christmas. But Ben Crosby reminds me of that. There's another one. There was a guy by the name of Jacob Marley. Ooh, I maybe stumped you. Jacob Marley. Ebenezer. Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge. And he goes, Scrooge. you not seen the show? Well, you've got to come to my house. We'll watch the movie together. Fantastic. I love that one. It's a Christmas carol. And uh, whenever I hear Jacob Marley, it reminds me of Christmas. And of course, you think about it, yesterday was one of our big days at the church. We had our community life group's Christmas breakfast. And I was a judge of the musical artists in Portico. And can I tell you, if you missed it, you missed an incredible day. We have talented people. We have people that dressed like reindeer. They had balloon antlers. We had people that were dressed... I'm not sure how they were dressed, kind of island, I guess, and sunglasses, but it was a fantastic day, but it reminded all of us in the room that uh, Christmas is here, and if you didn't get there this year, you've got to come next year. It's going to be just such a great time, and thank you to everybody that participated. In fact, can we give a big hand to our small group coordinators? They put all that together, our zone captains and reps. Here's what I want you to think about this morning. We're going to jump right in. As I talk about the voice, have you ever considered the power of one voice, that one solitary voice has the potential to capture an entire audience and hold it with rapt attention. One voice can create a moment just like this.
1: Great is thy faithfulness Oh,
0: that in the shower every day. I do. In my mind, I do. That was Jordan Smith. He was a virtual unknown. That's the show called The Voice. It's where you go in, nobody knows your talents, your abilities, the judges don't see you. He starts to sing, and he captured the room. In fact, just amazed everybody with the talent and the ability that he had. One One of the comments that was on YouTube, just somebody that was following his clip, wrote these words, okay, I am an atheist, but this... This right here brought tears to my eyes. If he doesn't win, America's got a problem. Isn't that great when somebody can just speak out and let them know? And so here you have this voice that holds an entire room and has everybody captured, and their attention is riveted on them. Well, this morning I want to take you to another voice. It's the voice of Christmas. And it's maybe a voice that we often don't think about. It sometimes lands down in what I would call the the footnote of history. It gets overshadowed because of the birth of Christ, everything that comes in, and it's okay. So we have this wonderful, remarkable Christmas story, but this person's life actually becomes the expression of what I call a voice that's worth us looking at today. And he's one of the ones that I want to call the star of Christmas. Let me tell you his background just before we jump into the story. He was actually born into a family situation that had been hopeless. Mom and dad couldn't have kids. Mom was infertile, so they never had any children. And they thought, well, this is it. This is our life. Our legacy is that we will grow old together. We will have no ancestry that we can speak back to, and we're okay. But it would be into that context that God was about to do something remarkable. His parents were Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah was part of the priestly duty at the temple and he was on duty one day on his regular rotation and he was chosen by Lot and they said, Zachariah, you need to go in and you need to offer the incense. Go up by the temple, uh, go up by the table of uh, incense and you offer the incense. We're going to be outside, we're going to worship and everybody else was outside worshiping. So Zachariah makes his way into the room and as he's inside the room by the table of incense and he's offering the incense to the Lord, he's done this many times. He's familiar with this. It's just routine. It's ordinary now. But he's in the presence of God, and he knows what he's doing is not ordinary. So as he's worshiping the Lord, that suddenly, like that, the Bible says that an angel appeared to Zechariah. You know, we miss this. We do. Because we forget how spectacular it is when God decides to show up. And God shows up in this moment, and the angel Gabriel presents himself to Zechariah, and he says to Zechariah, he said, hey, fear not. Now, Zechariah, being human like all of us, says that he struggled. He was gripped with fear, and he struggled with it in the moment. I looked at the Greek very carefully. It said he was freaked out. Uh, maybe that's one way to define it. But he was, there's an angel in his presence. And as he's wrestling through this, suddenly he begins to realize that he is going to be a part of something that's much bigger than he ever imagined, that he was about to become the father, of whom I will refer to this morning as the voice so, I want to pick up John's story, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. And as Zechariah would go home to Elizabeth and go, Elizabeth, guess what? Look what God does in this narrative. Luke chapter 1, 13 to 17, it says this And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Now watch carefully. Gabriel says, and Zechariah, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's amazing, isn't it? Because this story is embedded into the context of the Christmas narrative, and yet what we have here is the moment that the angel appears to Mary, and then Mary and Joseph, and then you have the whole progression of the birth of Christ. John's birth narrative literally falls down to the pages of a footnote, and we don't really see him until maybe some 30 years later, 25 years later, where he starts to come back into prominence again. But I want us to look at this in the stars of Christmas for this reason, that the voice of John, The voice of John is something that God is going to use powerfully here, and he becomes what I would call a star of Christmas. So this morning, a couple of questions I want us to be thinking through as we look at this. Why is John's voice so significant to the Christmas story? Like why take time on a Sunday morning, and maybe you're new to faith or you're just walking through the journey with us? Here's a question I want you to ask, and more importantly, what does John's voice have to do with my life? Why should you, why should I, why should I pay attention to what John's voice is when we get into the message? So let's have a look at this. Take your notes out if you want to follow along with printed copies, take them out of the bulletin or you can go to the app, follow along electronically. And here's the first thing I want you to fill in. John's voice, the reason that is so important, so significant, it ignited the flames of hope. It would be his voice that would do something within the nation of Israel that had fallen dormant and silent for so long. Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. When, the, when Gabriel speaks to Zechariah about this coming child, he said to Zechariah, You are to call him John, and he will be a, a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. If you're underlining verses, that's a great one right there. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now let's be honest. Just the fact that Elizabeth and, and uh, Zechariah are going to have a child. Friends, that's remarkable. That's worth celebrating because they were childless. So if you had an angel appear to you and go, hey, by the way, God's heard your prayer. Can I press pause for a moment? We often read over that verse too quickly. Can you imagine Zechariah in before God? And Gabriel appears to him and he goes, first thing, God heard your prayer. How long had Zechariah been praying for a child? How long had Elizabeth wanted to have a child. All the way past her infertility, all the way up into the years when they could no longer bear children. And what's the first thing that the angel says to Zachariah? God heard your prayer. Some of you in the room, you need to hear that this morning because you're like Zachariah and Elizabeth. You've given up. Hope has already been diminished in your life. And you go, why should I even pray anymore? And after all these years, the first thing the angel said, God heard. heard. God heard your prayer. So that's maybe your takeaway, and that's all you need today, and run with that. That's a freebie. All good? All right, back to the message. So Zachariah is going to race home, and he's going to tell Elizabeth, hey, guess what happened to me today? An angel showed up. She goes, oh, yeah, sure. You've been sipping the temple wine again. Let's talk about this. You know I'm way past the years of bearing children. He goes, no, 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 no. An angel appeared to me. And so we know for sure that for them, this is going to be a joy and a delight because all parents delight in their children. <laughs> oh, remember, mom and dad, kids are listening in right now. Your Christmas list is getting shorter. All parents delight in children. Oh, there you go. And all children delight in their parents. We are a joy to each other. My parents love me because I say they do. That's how I know they do. But, uh, and I love my son, all of us. So there's no question that for Elizabeth and Zachariah, when the angel said he will be a delight and joy, they would go absolutely But it's so much deeper than that. It's much more profound than that because actually Gabriel was driving something deeper into their world that this child, this child was going to be a voice that would change the entire nation and his voice would reverberate through the land and would change a world. Now watch carefully. If your Bibles are still open, drop down to verse 68. When Elizabeth is about to name their baby boy, Zachariah, we don't have time to read the story here, but Zachariah, because of his disbelief in the angel's announcement, lost his voice. The angel said, okay, if you don't believe me, I'm going to take your voice away, and when your child is born, you know we'll take care of this issue here. And so he'd gone voiceless, and he wasn't able to speak. So now when the baby is born, about nine months later, they're there trying to decide what the name of the child is going to be. And so family and friends and relatives are all over, and they're going, Elizabeth, what are you going to name this boy? And she goes, we're going to name him John. And they're going, John? there's nobody in your family named John. Like, why would you choose John? Why not name him after Zachariah? And she goes, no, 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 it's got to be John. They would. no, that's not a good name. Pick one of your ancestors' names and bring that back into your family again. And so she turns over to Zachariah, and she said to Zachariah, what's the name we're going to give our son? And Zachariah, the Bible says that he took out a writing pad. Does everybody know what that is? That's an early version of an iPad. That's what that was. He took out an iPad, and he wrote on his iPad, he said, his name will be John. And immediately, immediately, his voice returned. And look what happens. He's filled with the Spirit of the Lord. He begins to prophesy, and he says this, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David. Now drop down and look at verse 76. This is dad holding his son, prophesying over his son. And he said, And you, my child, you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace." whoa, this is amazing. Everybody's pressuring Elizabeth, give him a name that fits the family. And she goes, no, no, no. The angel said, John, Zachariah, what do we give him? His name is John. And suddenly his voice comes back and he begins to speak prophetically and declare over his child. And I don't even think he understood in the moment what was taking place. But I can just imagine this dad holding his child or looking at the child in his mother's arms or whatever the context is, and all of a sudden God speaks through him. That's what prophecy is. God prompts and gives him the words to speak. And he goes, and you, my son, you bring me joy and delight already, but you, my son, you're going to ignite the flames of hope in a nation that has lost all hope. For 400 years, they've been wondering, where's God? Where's God? But you're going to be The voice. And it's going to be your voice that is going to echo throughout the land. And your voice is going to remind the people that God has not abandoned them. Here's the thought. That God's silence is not an indication of his absence. So often what we do is we get in the middle of our own personal crisis that we go... Whoa, where is God? And his silence must be an indication of his absence. If there's anything we can take out of the story today, it's this right here, that when John was born and brought into this world, 400 years, Israel's gone through exile and humiliation, and they have power domination by Rome over them. And for 400 years, they're going, God, where are you? Somebody even given up praying already. And life was just a routine. But when John is born, I am reminded again that God's silence is not an indication of his absence. And for some of us today, the fact that we don't hear the voice of God, we go, has he left? No, he hasn't. It just means God is working in the background. He is already orchestrating and coordinating and planning and moving things in the direction that he knows that is going to work for our good. There are voices of hope, friends, and John is one of those voices. Did you know all throughout history, God has raised up people and used them to ignite the flames of hope? It would be the voice of Martin Luther that would say we are saved by faith alone that would ignite the reformation the protestant reformation. It would be the voice of Abraham Lincoln who would say 4 score and 7 years ago our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived by liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And the voice of a president would heal the wounds of a nation that was ripped apart by war to bring a new future to the land of America. It would be the voice of William Wilberforce who had rallied people towards the anti-slave trade movement in 18th century Britain to stop the injustice and it would be his voice that would ignite the flames of hope by saying, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. One Solitary voice has the power to change the world. Every voice, your voice, has the power to change the world. You can ignite the flames of hope and give people the promise of what Christmas is truly all about. John 1 6 and 7, in your notes, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. It is John who would ignite the flames of hope in Israel. But God gives us this wonderful opportunity. He goes, and you, my sons and my daughters, followers of the Most High God, your voice might be one solitary voice, but everybody in this room and everybody listening to me and those of you online, our voice has the power to ignite flames of hope. We can be the voice that will champion the cause that will stir and move people to realize that terrorism and war and famine and fear and uncertainty and economic downturn is not the declaration that God has brought to our world, but peace on earth through Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we have. And John is a great reminder that your voice and my voice, it can ignite the flame of hope. But John did something more than that. Go back to your notes. It would also be his voice that would inspire a generation to believe. It wouldn't just stir hope again, but he would actually inspire a generation to believe in God, that God hadn't abandoned his people, that God had not forgotten the promise that he had made to his people, that from the beginning of the foundations of the earth, there was a plan that has always been in motion, and that this voice would proclaim that a Messiah was coming. We know by this point in history that Israel was no longer a nation that was celebrating its national pride and independence. That had long been squelched. Rome was the new geopolitical power. Its stranglehold over Palestine, particularly Israel, was always visible. This was Caesar's kingdom. He was God, and he wanted everybody to know it. Yet this lone voice in the wilderness, this obscure wilderness itinerant preacher who dressed unusual, looked unusual, and stayed out, at the peripherals of society, it would be his voice that would inspire a generation to dare to believe again. Do you remember the promise? Remember what Gabriel told John's father, Zechariah? Luke 1.16, it's in your notes. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Wow. What a gift that a dad knows his son is about to do. Listen carefully. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Israel's faith had waned. And suddenly from the wilderness comes a voice. Make straight the way for the Lord. Make straight the way for the Lord. Make straight the way for the Lord. And people's hearts were not just ignited with a flame of hope, but all of a sudden he starts to preach The repentance of sins through baptism and people start to come and clusters of people and crowds of people begin to gather around this individual wondering who is this man? But something deep inside of them inspired them to believe again that just maybe, just maybe God had not forgotten them. When challenged by the religious aristocracy as to who he was and where did he get his authority and why did he do what he was doing, John didn't refer in his own words. Look in your notes, John one twenty three. He replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. It was the power of his voice that would inspire people to believe in God. Those that would follow John, his closest disciples, hanging on every word, believing that God was doing something amazing, it would be to these disciples that John one day would see this lone man walking towards them. And to Andrew, he would go, look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one. That I have been proclaiming. He's the one that my voice has been projecting about. And Andrew would immediately begin to follow Jesus. And Andrew would go and find his brother Peter and go, Peter, I think we found the Messiah. Come and help me. It was the voice of John that would ignite, inspire a nation to believe. And he would direct people towards the Lord. How awesome is it that God chooses every one of us and gives us the gift of the power of a voice that we might be the ones to declare his glorious praise and inspire people to believe again that there is a God. Friends, it doesn't matter what the headlines declare. God reigns supreme over any headline that will ever be produced or ever be broadcast. God alone is the one who will determine what our future looks like. And so our voices don't have to resonate with fear. They can go with power and strength and they declare the glory of God like John did because he understood what God was doing at that time. You know, often I think we underestimate the power of a solitary voice. I think we probably think to ourselves, and I believe most of us probably do, what difference can my voice make? Well, maybe, maybe if we think of it in this light, maybe one voice can inspire an entire nation to believe again. If you go back to the Winter Olympics, and some of you remember this, the Winter Olympics 2010 in Vancouver, this would be our third time to be the host nation for the Winter Olympics. The previous two times, according to the stats in our history, we we never did. We never won a gold medal. And so on this third time in, in 2010, everything was about to change. Not only had we never won a gold medal, but in 2010, we won 14 gold medals, and by the end of the Olympics, we had 26 medal counts, the highest that we'd ever had. We won the most gold medals in that Olympics than any nation had won at a winter o- What happened? What happened to cause our nation to rally? Now, we're good people. We know that. So we deserve to win. But what caused us, could it be that something inspired us to believe? Is it possible that one voice could cause us to believe that perhaps it was the voice of one of our very own Canadian musical artists, Nikki Yanofsky, that made us believe it was possible? I don't know. This is the moment we have dreamed of all our
1: lives will be the change we wish from us we'll stand t-
0: Remember that song? Yeah, yeah, we remember it. 16 years old, born in Montreal. I'll tell you, by the end of the Olympics, truthfully, it was like, no more, no more. Nikki, I get it. I get it, I believe. I don't know whether or not, you know, our slalom skiers are going down here. Yeah, Nikki said I'm going to win. Nikki said I'm going to win. I don't know. Maybe our speed skaters were all inspired. By her. All I do know is we were inspired to believe as a nation that we could achieve great things, and we did. Imagine what happens when you use the power to inspire to believe in God. Every voice, every voice has the power to inspire. Your voice, some of you are going, no, 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 no. It is. Your voice has the power to inspire. You guys up for a game? You want to play a game? This is Interactive Church. You all good? All right. We're going to play a little bit of a game here. I'm going to give you a sound bite out of history, and I want you to give me the name of the person whose words were the inspiration to make a change. All right? simple game could be a prize might be a bottle of water let's see what happens with this all right let's work it out who was it whose voice inspired us when he said mr gorbachev tear down this wall president ronald reagan it's east berlin west berlin wall cold war bring the wall down changed changed history when that took place whose voice was it that said i have a dream I have a dream that one day my four children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but they will be judged by the content of their character. And it changed the social justice system, and it raised hope again that God's equality was for all men. Whose voice was it that said, We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the streets, we shall fight on the hills? Oh, you guys are aggressive. Who was it? Winston Churchill. yeah. Prime Minister Winston Churchill, World War II, when it looked like the United Kingdom and Britain was in its darkest hours and defeat was imminent, and what did he do? He rallied with his voice, he rallied the people of Britain to believe, we will fight, we will do what's ever necessary to preserve our freedom, and they did. Friends, it's the power of one voice is what it is. It's not just in a position that they hold. That one solitary voice could be John, a man in the wilderness who could raise his voice and say, I am calling the way for the Lord. Turn and repent from your sins. Come and believe because there is good news that God has visited us. His salvation is here today. That's the power of a voice and every one of us carries that power today. You have the power to inspire. According to Psalm 145, 4, it's in your notes, it says, one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Psalm 78 verse 4 says, We will not hide them from, the, from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders that He has done. That's the power of a voice that can change the course of history. So why is John's voice so significant? Because it reminds me, not only was God doing something spectacular that would change the world, but if John could ignite the flames of hope, and if John could inspire a generation to believe, so can you, so can I. And one last thing in your notes I want you to write down. What about John's voice should we take note of? John's voice, it impacted the future of all humanity. It wasn't confined to his generation. It wasn't limited in its impact to merely those that he would walk with and he would speak to. Can you imagine how his father, Zechariah, must have felt as he listened to the angel Gabriel say these words in Luke 17? And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children, disobedient to the wisdom of righteousness. He will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah, your son, your son is going to impact the future of all humanity. He will be filled with the Spirit, and he will be great in the sight of the Lord. God wasn't merely answering the prayers of a husband and wife who longed to have a child in their arms. God wasn't only answering the prayers of Israel who in desperation needed to be rescued from their hopeless situation. And God was answering, in that moment, God was answering the prayers of humanity that was in desperate need of a Savior. For since the beginning of time, since in the garden when man failed and sin entered mankind, God was preparing the pathway where the prayers of humanity and their desperate need for a Savior would be answered. And John's voice would be the one that would declare, look, for here it comes. That's how you impact humanity. Look at John 1.15. John testified concerning Jesus. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me. He has surpassed me because he was before me. John was announcing to the people, don't misunderstand, this is not some temporal move here. The one that I speak to you of, he is the great I am. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. All things were made through him, nothing was made without him. This is the one, the God who took and wrapped himself in flesh, and I tell you, and what John would tell his people would change the course of humanity. John 1.29 says, The next day when John saw Jesus coming toward him, he said this, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not Israel. Not an individual. John said, That's the guy right there. He takes away the sin of the world. He was preparing man for what God's work was all about, what the Christmas story. That's why he's a star of Christmas. John's voice was simply following in key with the voice of the angel who appeared to the shepherds on the hillsides of Bethlehem and said, I have good news to you that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born. John goes, look, the Lamb, who takes away the sin of the world. Where was all of this leading? He calls people into the baptism of sin, baptism of repentance for their sins, the remission of their sins, because the Savior, the Messiah, was here. His voice would change the course of humanity and it would give an incredible privilege to every one of us. You see, John was preparing not only Israel, he's preparing the rest of the world. And Jesus would come, and because of Jesus' arrival, and many of us know this, maybe you don't, but really what Christmas is all about It is a reminder to all of us that God wasn't merely an infant who was confined to the baby in the manger, but this would be the one, the God who would take on flesh, live his life, would die at the hands of men, be crucified on behalf of all of our sins, raised by the power of God. And the reigning, victorious Lord of our lives is the one who has the power to forgive sins and restore relationship with our Heavenly Father. Around here we talk about saying yes to Jesus, and what that means is when we have that recognition, that. There is a God that loves us. That's what Christmas is, a God that loves us. So much that he paid the price for our sin that he would send his son to be born, but not just, for the, not just for the reason of the song, but that he might live a life, a sinless life, be the perfect sacrifice so that we would have the forgiveness of our sins. John's voice prepared Israel, but his voice carries on through this day, and that voice has the power to change our lives. And by saying yes to Jesus Christ today, your life can be changed. It doesn't happen when you close your eyes. It doesn't happen when you walk to the front. It doesn't happen in any of those. Those are all ways that we can do this. But it happens when we believe in our heart and when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That can happen in your car on the way home. That can happen at your home at your bedside. It can happen in your place of work when all of a sudden you have that realization of who Jesus Christ is. That's the beauty of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. Some of you today, you maybe are in this room or in one of the venues. Maybe it's online right now and you're hearing me speak you need to just stop and go, Jesus, I say yes to you. I believe you're Lord. I believe Christmas really is the celebration of your birth, but greater than that, your ministry. And today you're inviting Jesus Christ in, and I celebrate that with you, and I applaud you. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, let me take you back to John's voice for just a moment. He is what I call a star of Christmas because his voice would impact all of humanity, and every one of us, our voice has the potential to change the course of people's destiny. Our voice is the voice that we will refuse to allow to be silenced this year. Don't underestimate the power of your voice. So this Christmas season, I want to challenge every one of us, don't let hatred and crime and terrorism silence your voice. Don't let your health, don't let your economic challenges, don't let your your own limitations, don't let your disabilities stifle your voice. Let your voice resonate throughout this land. Let your voice speak into your families and speak into your businesses and speak into your circle of friends. Speak of the grace of God. Give the good news that a Savior has been born this day. Your voice has the power to impact humanity if you use it for the purpose that God has given you. We're celebrating a God who has brought good news to every one of us. So today we celebrate the one true living King, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So this Christmas, the voice that you have, it's the one voice that can be the star. Your voice can ignite the flames of hope. Your voice can inspire people to believe again. And your voice can impact the future of someone's life if you choose to use it. So when you go to Tim Horton's, Yes, I said it. And you get your coffee. See, there's one Tim Hortons fan. You get your coffee. You don't just say thank you. You say Merry Christmas. And when all the rest of us go to Starbucks and we get our coffee, we say Merry Christmas. And when we go to the stores and we're shopping in the mayhem and the confusion and we're trying to find parking spaces and people are waving sign language at you that is not the best sign language you've ever seen, you smile without giving signs back and you say, Merry Christmas. And when you go to your families and you go to your friends and wherever you go, yours is the voice that declares, God has come and His peace reigns on this earth. Amen? So may we be the people this year that refuses to let ISIS take over, we let Jesus take over. Amen? All right. So, Father, this morning, that's what we pray. We thank you for the privilege of being the voice of yours at this Christmas season. Wherever we go, the power unleashed through all of us is immeasurable when the Spirit works through us. So thank you for the privilege of being a part of your family and your kingdom. For those of you, those that are just saying yes to Jesus and they stop at the Yes Station today, I thank you for their decision as well. It's going to be an incredible year as your name is lifted up. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.